Welcome to Garden Society. We are a sisterhood of women exploring holistic ways to rejuvenate from the rigors of daily life. We are wives and moms, sisters and girlfriends, bill payers, breadwinners, multitaskers, and peacemakers. We invite you to explore the possibility of elevating every day with our favorite plant. Grant yourself permission to chill out, smoke a joint, and get inspired to find your joy with us on Garden Society, the podcast. This gathering of the Garden Society is now in session. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on another session of Garden Society, the podcast. We're so excited to have you here today as we talk about the world of wellness. So today we're going to be talking about the value of self-care, and we have two wonderful women with us who are going to give us real self-care examples and ideas, ways that we can really take care of ourselves day to day. First, we have Miss Beck Hopkins. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for being here. Welcome, Beck. She is an experienced wine communication professional. She's been in the industry for 25 plus years. Um, I actually, Beck was the first person who hired me into the wine industry and come full circle how I met Erin and um, also our other guest, Kathy. Beck spent a lot of time in the wine business spanning the globe from all the way from Australia to here in California. She founded this amazing wellness company for wine professionals called A Balanced Glass in March of 2018. It came out of her years in the wine industry, realizing that, you know, day to day in when you're working in wine, you've got to be drinking, you've got to be on, you've got to be you know, you're enjoying wine, but it's also like finding that balance on the other side of taking care of yourself. So we're really excited to have you here to tell us your story. We also have Kathy Hoyho on the line with us from Atlanta. So Kathy is working in a balanced glass with Beck. Um, Kathy is also the co-founder and CEO of Analytics. It's a big data service to the wine industry. So she is a female tech entrepreneur, combined with also a contributor to Forbes and Inc., writing about wine and entrepreneurship. Kathy is also the award-winning author of the book, Hungry for Wine, Seeing the World Through the Lens of a Wine Glass. She joined A Balanced Glass, Glass with Beck right about launch time, so we'd love to hear your story. I think, Beck, we'll turn it over to you, and you can tell us a little bit about what is a balanced glass, just to set the foundation, and then how did you have that spark? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Erin. Um, and it's amazing to be here today. It was I was on my drive over here today thinking exactly the same serendipitous nature of how we're all sitting now in this uh, opportunity together. So thank you um, from both of us. Yeah, I mean, a balanced glass really came out of me being pissed off one day. <laughs> I um, That's I was, how it happens. <laughs> I was at a, a conference for um, 700 women, female wine professionals in Napa. And over the three days, we talked about everything from career development, uh, gender equality, pay parity. And I sat in this room and said, you know, no one here is talking about alcohol. No one is talking about the effect that alcohol has, how wine is part of our life. It's part of our jobs. It's expected of us to engage with it every day. And that really... It's it's kind of the thing we don't talk about. And so I went home and I did what I do, which is I started to write. And I wrote an article that I ended up sending to 
an editor of a big wine trade magazine in Europe, uh, Miningers Business International, and wrote to Felicity, the editor, and said, am I, am I nuts? Like, am I the only person that feels this way, that we have this kind of clandestine topic that we don't talk about? And she said, no, I want to publish it. And so um, kind of fast forward, she published that story that was the most widest read story on that platform for the month of March last year. Wow. And feedback came in from all over the world, from all areas of the business, from all people in different areas of the industry saying, I feel that way too. I have issues. Why don't we talk about this, et cetera, et cetera. And so then there was a follow-up article that said, okay, how can we start to address this? And I'm like, there's an idea here. So I went home and started to come up with some thoughts, came up with the name of Balance Glass, rang Kathy and said, I want to do this thing. We had met and had many discussions about mindfulness and our yoga practice and our meditation practice, and she was brave enough to kind of jump on board. So here we are. I think we're coming up on a year next month. Congratulations. So, That's you. really inspiring. Yeah. It's amazing when we think about our entrepreneurial journey with Garden Society, the parallels. Mm-hmm. Lucky for you, you found this opportunity to create a business in an industry where you were like, there's a gap here and we need to address it. It took me actually quitting Mm -hmm. to realize that I had to create this new opportunity for myself. Mm -hmm. So I really commend you to see that and see how the worlds merge. Well, and we talk a lot about partnership and how, you Mm -hmm. know, we're on this journey together. And I think it's really neat that you had someone in Kathy that you could call right away and say, you know, I have this idea and and she's kind of living in that same world as well. So it would be fun to hear just kind of, Kathy, when you received that call, like what was your, you know, was it an immediate like, oh, yes, this is definitely, you know, something that we should address or what were your thoughts around that when you heard the, got the call? You know, it was, well, I was like, first of all, this is Beck who's asking me this. And it's, you know, just tremendous respect for Beck as a professional and for her way of, of thinking and the experience that she brings, like within the industry. And clearly this is something that just, uh, Becky was speaking so passionately about it. And so, and you, you were pissed off. You really were pissed off. And I read that article that Felicity published in Meiningers. And then the response, the follow up article was like, good grief. We have touched a nerve here. Like the, the community, the wine community, internationally speaking, has just sort of sat up and took and taken notice of what was going on here. So that when Beck, you know, reached out and said, let's, let's do this together. I didn't, I mean, at first my, my gut was just like, yes, of course I'm in, sign me up. Um, and I didn't know what it was going to be exactly. Um, and it had or what my participation was going to be. Um, but pretty quickly, I think that we settled into a routine. Uh, we, came to know each other in a different way, which has been a really beautiful evolution of the whole thing. Um, and being in the wine industry previously as a writer, currently as an entrepreneur, and also contributing to a balanced glass, those are all different ways to to be a person in wine. And that has been incredibly gratifying and just really exciting. Um, but it's driven by always has been driven by Beck's initial passion and response to this this just question that, that I think you felt in your gut, Beck, was like, what is going on here? Like, why are we not, there's an elephant in the room. Like, why are we not talking about it? Mm. So that's, I think, 
just what I was responding to initially, for sure. Yeah, and I think the the elephant in the room was also noticed by the organizers of the event. Um, so that article was, Kath, that was two years ago because last year we did the, they, they, I called them on it. Mm. And I go, why mm. aren't you guys talking about wellness? And they said, well, we're going to give you a respite lounge at our conference next year and you can run a meditation and breathwork workshop. So step up. And that was a big kicker. And from that, it was actually Kathy because she's a journalist by training she said, you know, we need to give people practical things they can do out of this because there's no point us, you know, sitting in our little lotus positions and pontificating our navels. So we wrote a 30-day, <laughs> right? It's so true. Right? Yeah. So, so we, wrote, true. we wrote a 30-day practice and every day, every morning, um, Kathy would write a column for a day, a post, and then I would write the next day and she would write the next day and I would write the next day. And we fed off each other. And that forced us to kind of launch whether we were ready or not. And our community was like, I think, five readers, including my mom. <laughs> um, but that was kind of how we started, right? Because you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> and I, yeah. think, I think it's inspiring to have a team and to do it with somebody else because you hold each other accountable and you help work through those hard times mm-hmm. and push people forward. I mean, the timing is really fantastic for this interview because my husband is actually leaving tomorrow to Vancouver Food and Wine. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so we were talking last night about his trip and was he excited and you know, Kathy, you and I met through through the wine as well um, from a personal side, and you, we've got to have a great relationship together um, and build a deep friendship from those wine conversations. And what he was worried about is he's like, oh, I'm just not looking forward to going into this thing where I have to be on all day. I'm expected to eat three meals a day. I'm expected to drink my own wine for 12 hours a day and entertain these guests. And it, it's romantic in theory, but the actual application, here we are trying to live a better life and to balance. And what kind of advice would you guys have for somebody like myself or my husband who's literally packing as we speak? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And, and certainly I would say the one word that comes to mind is discipline. And there is very much a perception out there that it is this glamorous, amazing existence that it's the wine business and it's glamorous not only for the food for for the wine but for the food because Mm -hmm. you really have that opportunity to eat in the best restaurants in the world it's expected of you to eat a five course lunch followed by a five course dinner and that's not optional um, for a lot of people and they don't actually feel empowered to have a decision around what is their job and what are the limits of you know what's expected of them and particularly like a festival like Vancouver, which is high profile, you have very good quality chefs. And, you know, we all love eating great food and drinking great wine. And so if you're presented with Thomas Keller doing a dish, you probably want to taste it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it really comes back to discipline of, of knowing your understanding your own meta- metabolism. What can your body tolerate from a physiological point of view? You know, what stage of life are you at? You know, have you just gone through a dental surgery where, you know, you can't eat certain things. It's right. not comfortable. Right. Um, are you in a personal situation where, you know, you're in an abstinence phase? I mean, all these things. Even when I was pregnant in the wine industry and I was like, oh, no, I'm not drinking. I got the funniest looks from yeah. people. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. Fill my glass. And then I would kind of like have a sip and yeah. taste it. And it was fine because especially if it was beautiful wine, mm-hmm. but it is this like expectation that, you know, you consume and you enjoy and you're, you know, social and there's a lot that you're held to. And especially someone that, you know, I was 
lower ranking in the on the totem pole. So I definitely wanted to like make a good impression on people. And and it is fun. You know, I was in my early 30s, late 20s at the time. And so I wanted to like really dive in and and enjoy all of the good life that I wasn't enjoying, you know, normally because, it, right. you know, it's just it's fun. But you do you need you start to get a little worn down. And yeah. so I love this idea of a lot of the premise of this is helping women give themselves permission to ask for what they want and give themselves what they need. And so empowering people in the wine industry to do that through your work with a balanced glass is really is going to flip things on their head in the wine industry. I think and that's it, really it great. it applies to all industries, right? Mm-hmm. I actually does. did dry January mm. because I was going to Cabo and I wanted to lose a few pounds. Mm. I weaned my son. I just needed to kind of reset and so everybody looked at me, dry January, why would you do that? And I was like, oh, don't worry. I'm not sober. I'm smoking a lot of weed and I'm eating cannabis. And they're like, oh, that's so great. Now I'm getting people who are like, how do I do dry February? Right. right. right? So it's this perception of like consuming is okay. Mm-hmm. And I think people have insecurities if they view you as, you know, whether it's wine, whether it's cannabis, whatever. As soon as I told people I was consuming cannabis but not wine, all of a sudden I was fine. Yeah. But well, to not consume anything was super weird for people to grasp. To add to to what you've been saying about this amazing world that we're in, I mean, both wine and cannabis and the crossovers between between the two geographically and just lifestyle speaking. I mean, it is. can we just pause for a second and say it is an amazing space to be in. And we spend our lives, every day of our lives, in this space. And it is fantastic. And we're so incredibly fortunate to be to be doing that. And for me, I feel like there's just so much gratitude that I wake up to this every day. Like I wake up and this really, this is my life. Like really, like I get to do this every single day, which is just uh, for me, the basis for a lot of gratitude, which actually um, leads to my savoring the experience more than indulging the experience, which comes to come straight to the point of, of mindfulness. I love the, that. I love that. Yes. That's such a great perspective. It's all about perspective shift. And that's what we talk about when you have, you're empowered to choose and you're empowered to view things for yourself differently. And that's really, really awesome. Um, on that note, what does self-care mean to you, Kathy, as an entrepreneur, as a mom of twins? with a balanced glass and all your writing and your business, like, is it really that perspective shift? Is there more to it? What, what do you see for self-care? I think gratitude is like the sort of the the grandmother of all of this. I feel like if I can just remember how lucky I am to, to be healthy, first of all, um, to have healthy relationships, um, to have healthy children, to have the most psychologically healthy person I've ever met as my partner in life. Um, that is, that's where, that's where it starts. Um, but that actually sort of, you were talking about giving permission, recognizing how all of these gifts that are all around me every day turns into wanting to take care of those gifts and wanting to use them in the best possible way that I can. I've been given them. And I feel like if I, if I don't use them and if I don't care for them, then I'm just sort of kicking, you know, kicking in the head, whoever it was or whatever it was that gave me those gifts in the first place. So, so I actually feel like it's a little bit of a, a circle, a feedback circle. I've been given the gifts and now I need to take care of them and now I need to use them. 
I love, I love that. That resonates so much with me. And I, so how do you kind of apply that in a real way day to day? Like, do you take a moment for meditation or do you do it during your yoga? Like, how do you apply that? Yeah. I take lots of moments for meditation. <laughs> it's, um, it's an incredibly important part of, um, of, of my life, of my every day. Um, and I want to, I want to talk about, um, a, a program that I'm doing actually to sort of put it, you know, put that out there. Um, but, in addition to that, I think uh, getting over the guilt or sort of the the idea that we should feel guilty about taking time for ourselves, like I'm so over that, I'm so over it because I have to in order to be okay with everybody around me. So I'm just like, I'm just want to say that I grew up in a Catholic family. I can feel guilty about anything. But I do not <laughs> I have come to the point where I do not feel guilty about this, um, about self-care. So, so it, it is about a meditation. I do um, spiritual yoga, which is what I call spiritual yoga, um, a couple times a week. I also do vinyasa, hot flow exercise, quote-unquote oh, yeah. transactional yoga, um, a couple times a week as well. So they're all, I spend a lot of time on the mat and a lot of time on the cushion. Um, but what I've started doing uh, just this past month is um, I had, with thanks to my teachers, um, applied and been accepted to this program run by Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield about uh, mindfulness meditation teacher training. And it's a two-year program. And it's actually really, really intense in terms of um, the education and the, uh, the learning how to teach. There's a lot more to it than just sit down and close your eyes. I mean, that, that, that is what we want to do, but there's a lot more around sort of around the context of, of what's happening with that. And it's, it's um, a self-exploration, which is not different than self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. I feel like because the, the end goal is when you, when, when you sit down to meditate or when I've been taught to meditate, the end goal is to have compassion uh, for everybody you encounter, including yourself when you stand up from the cushion. I love, yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> it's, and the Jack Cornfield Tara Brock, for anyone who's mm-hmm. never heard of either of those teachers, they are the two best Buddhist mindfulness teachers, I think, in our modern era. And Tara has a fantastic podcast that we can put in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. It's we extraordinary. Should link to that. Oh, great. Um, and, you know, I think to Kathy's point, um, we, you know, we have a yoga practice, right? We both have our own meditation practice, but that doesn't need to be on a mountain. You know, it's on the subway. It's in your car. It's preparing your kids' breakfast. It's every moment of every day is an opportunity to to be present and to be mindful and to make yourself a priority. Because one of the big things we have, of course, is I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to go to class. I don't have time. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we explore in our weekly stories is super practical ways that you can meditate. You can, you know, here's five tips on what to do when you're on the road. Here's five um, breathing techniques you can use that take 30 seconds that will help reset. So to your question about the practicality of it, that's a big foundation for what we do with a balanced glass is we go and do our own education and our own work because this is the work we love and this is the work we're meant to be doing. But we can then bring that back and translate it into a way that's practical for people so that we can kind of go, We've gone and done the research. We've tried it out ourselves. This is how we think it can work. Give it a shot yourself. 
and, you know, tell us what you think. The tell us what you think part of it is really critical because in our community it's complete judgment-free zone, Mm -hmm. you know, and this isn't about, to your point, about are you eating cannabis or are you drinking wine? We're really, we, we have no opinion on any of that. The point is at the end of it, you're making wellness a priority for yourself and you have compassion for yourself, you're present, you're showing up and you're doing it. That is the most important part of it. And when people can get past that judgment or that fear of being judged, it opens up a whole different dialogue that then brings us to be able to have other discussions around um, mm, my eating isn't great, my digestion's terrible, or mm, think I'm kind of on a slippery slope with what I'm consuming, or I've just come back and I'm working 80 hours a week. Um, having that kind of soundboard and that additional, I just, you know, having done the work on it, it, it helps the community. And if we don't have, you know, a thought on it, we'll find you someone in the community that will. And that's the other part of it is people really appreciate the ability to be able to talk across country, across role, across gender, across everything to say, oh, there's someone else out there that might be like me. And that's, you know, through Meet the Tribe, which is every week we profile someone in the industry, any stage of life, any stage of career, just someone that's doing something we think contributes. And that brings that theory to life. People can go, oh, cool, Erin Gore, I met her once. Oh, you know, what are her challenges? You know, these are her things. How does she manage it? These are her things. And we are able to connect people um, to each other. I I love that because, (laughs) so I don't know if either of you know this, um, I actually had a hypnobirth. So an interesting tidbit about me, I guess, as I've gone through this like motherhood entrepreneur journey, I'm super goal oriented. So when I was going to have a baby, I really wanted to have an all natural meditative labor. And so it was really important to me. So I trained and trained and trained basically my whole pregnancy for um, self-hypnosis and meditation. And I did it. So I was in labor 42 hours and I basically meditated through my whole labor to the point I didn't say a word in the hospital until I got to the time to push. So the nurses were like, oh, that was the first natural labor I've seen. The young nurse said that the old nurse was like, yeah, right. You're going to do a hypnobirth. Everyone tries and everyone fails. And I did it. So what's Mm -hmm. interesting is the power of the mind and the power of your position mentally and what you want into fear versus joy, Mm -hmm. pleasure versus pain, how it's all just a positioning. Mm -hmm. But then fast forward. So I have this beautiful baby here. I get the power of meditation, but I could not find the time for the last year to spend any time at all meditating. And I value it and I understand what it can do for you, but I just couldn't prioritize it. So it's interesting as we talk about on this wellness journey with the podcast And this is our year of joy is like being able to make space for me to do it again. And so I can't wait to check out a balanced glass to find more practical tips, Mm -hmm. being super busy, finding that time to be able to do it, even though it, excuse me, even though I understand it and value it, I just couldn't find the time. Well, and I, what resonated with me and what Beck said was that it's, it's not even about like making the time to do it. It's integrating it into what you're already doing. So like you're saying, we spend a lot of time on the road. So like, doing, practicing deep breathing, doing a body check, um, you know, those kinds of things. I am always so curious as to like how people find the time for that physical 
activity outside of, um, or I shouldn't say find the time, make the time for that physical activity outside of like all of the other daily things that you're going through. And I think that's where I'm really struggling as like a mom, an entrepreneur, a wife, a friend, you know, all of the hats that we wear. Um, I'm really looking for the space to be physical for myself. So to like practice yoga or go for walks or whatever that is. Um, what do you guys tell people that, you know, mm. so many people in the wine industry, I'm sure are going through the same struggle. Like where do you fit that yeah. in? <laughs> can I, can I put a little bit of a, a carrot out there yes. um, for a, for a reason to, to motivate you to find the time. Um, and actually, Erin, it goes to what you said about uh, for your hypno labor, the, the, the mind is unbelievably capable it's unbelievably capable. And I feel like we're constantly underestimating ourselves about what, what we could do. Um, as, as you demonstrated through your labor, I mean, that's amazing. I didn't know that about you. That's amazing. I'm like, oh my God. Like I'm just sort of bowing over here. I know. I'm so impressed by that. <laughs> I had as medicated a birth wow. as you could have possibly had. I think it's fantastic. Oh my God. Okay, so pause and sort of notice that for a second. But then also, um, I feel like the, the, what you get when you meditate um, is that you, when, when you turn inward and turn sort of toward this mindfulness and, and accessing our minds, is this really deep well of, of juiciness, this really deep well of, of wisdom, and this really deep kind of quietness on the inside. And if I, if I didn't do that, I'd be, I'd be a mess. I'd be all over the place. I'd be all over the place. So that also is where, frankly, my best ideas come from. The name of the company, the name of the book, the name of, you know, sort of the, the next thing that I'm going to write about and how I'm going to write about it. That all happens on the, either on the mat or in the cushion, on the cushion when I, um, when I kind of, uh, look for that deep well that's that's inside us and accessible to us all the time. And it also makes me much more efficient about what I'm doing because then I'm able to prioritize and I'm able to sort of, especially if I'm, if I'm sitting and I'm meditating and, and some thought comes into my head and I, and I open my eyes, <laughs> that's like, that's like an earthquake happening is when, I, is when I open my eyes during meditation because then something has come to me and it's like, oh, oh, that's what this is about. Problem solved. And I, I, and I, right. Exactly. And I wouldn't have gotten there if I, if I didn't sit. And so the, the 10 minutes even sometimes that I take to sit is a trade-off for the five hours I would have otherwise been sitting at my computer trying to figure out how I'm going to say what I want to say. So that is, that's part of what motivates me to make the time. I like, that's great. I feel like even just, you can hear it and like, even though you're all the way in Atlanta, I feel like I can feel it from here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just in like the way you're describing things. I'm like, oh. And, and I think what resonates, Kathleen, so much with what you say, for my labor, for example, I, I'm in this wellness coaching program right now as well. And in, we talk a lot about um, prioritizing me. And so if I'm really honest about my labor, was it for me or was it for my love for my baby? Because I wanted to bring this baby into the world a certain way. 
and what I felt at the time was the best way. And so here I can move mountains for other people I love, but what do I do for me? And that's what I'm really trying to focus on this year is Mm -hmm. to say like, turn it, like be really honest and authentic. Am I doing this for me or am I doing this for you, husband, or you, child, or you, friend? Mm. And like really try, and for some reason it's hard for me, and I think it's hard for all so many women out there to really authentically love ourselves and give ourselves permission to be at the top of the list and do it for us, authentically for me, instead of for my child, instead of for this. And while my labor was beautiful, I would argue it was probably for my child more than it was for me at the, uh, at the core. Yeah. So it's, but why, why why can't it, why can't it be both? Why can't it be for you and for your child and for Tom for that matter? And for and for your family? Why? I feel like what what I, 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 um, have been frustrated, especially when I've been writing about these past couple of weeks, frustrated by sort of monolithic truths that we're sort of assuming are, are right or things being black and white. I don't know anything that's actually black and white. It's so true. There's a lot of grays, my friends. Like, there's just gray uh-huh. everywhere. And sure, some things are, are more, like, intense than others. But And, and I'm not saying that we don't have feelings uh, strongly in one direction or another. But but it is about both, Erin. Like, it is, it is that, that you did it for you. And you did it for your son. And and you, you did it for Tom. And you did it because... That's what you want to bring into the world, literally, like literally brought into the world, physically, this person embodying what you just did. And it's, you, you are not out of the equation. Kathy, like did it, you move? It, it is for you. Sorry to interrupt you. Did you move because you're breaking up a little bit? <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm facing my office. I'm still in the same room. Oh, Okay. I want to make sure we get all of this goodness. No, but I love it. Thank you. And I think you're so right. Like, I I love that idea around we instead of me or you. It's a we conversation. And we talk a lot about that, about, you know, I I love the phrase happy wife, happy life. But it's really true, right? Like, what do I need to be happy? And what does that look like? And then that part, that like literally percolates into every aspect of everything else. I would say too that. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, happy, Ka- happy wife, happy, happy wife, happy life. Just ask Chris. <laughs> completely. completely. Sorry, Beck. No, no. I was going to say that um, you know the show up for yourself so you can show up for others. Right, gets talked about a lot, but really, practically, you had me thinking, Carly. You know, what can I do? I'm so busy. I don't have an active practice. If you get on an airplane, you've probably got time when you're standing in line to realign your body in a standing pose of Tadasana. You probably have time when you're putting that bag overhead to think about how you're moving your body anatomically so it's aligned. You probably have time when you're putting a stroller in the car to think about weight distribution, how your body is moving, because the less aches and pains you have, right, you're kind of in a better mood for a start. Mm -hmm. But then also I think... By doing the work, you're also, you're going to naturally impact people around you. I love, oh my gosh, I love that. That's, I, and so a while back I heard someone say, um, 
you know, people say, oh, I don't have time for this or I don't have time for that. And they said, you have time for whatever you want to have time for. It's about making the time and the space to to do whatever that is. And I love the idea of shifting the intention from like, okay, I need to take this amount of time of my day to meditate or I need to take this amount of time in my day to exercise. But it's more about integrating it into like everything you do. And then in turn, you're more mindful throughout your entire day. Right. And I, so I love that kind of flipping the switch. Right. Um, and be vocal. Be mm-hmm. vocal about what you're doing and what your commitment is because the more you are vocal about your commitment to yourself, other people will be inspired by that. Uh, and uh, that happens with us a lot. Kathy just came back from um, judging at Texom where people said, we love what you're doing. Because, you know, and these are people we never would have imagined would even open an email but they're saying, I, I read your piece about, um, you know, your breathwork technique to take me from rookie to rock star. And I was really nervous about going on stage and I did it and it worked and it was awesome. That's and we're so like, cool. Done. Like shut the gate. Yeah. You know, we've kind of. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. We've done, you know, what we, what we set out to do. So I would say be vocal in what you want and, and prioritizing yourself. And you'll be amazed at, you know, the, the support that will come from that. Well, because I was going to ask kind of like, what would your advice be for us taking this back to like our part in the cannabis industry? And I mean, we're really that industry. It's in such an infancy right now. The in- industry is being built where our our worlds are shook every day by, you know, whether it's regulations or, um, you know, taxes, sales, whatever it is. Um, and so to have those practical applications of how we can then be leaders on our side in the cannabis industry about wellness. Because just like what you experienced with sitting at this conference with 700 people overindulging in wine and feeling like they're not quite taking care of themselves, I feel like that in the cannabis industry. And right now there's so much talk about, you know, there's no, there's no side effects of cannabis or there's no um, you know, there's no reason you shouldn't use cannabis. But then as with anything, like there are going to be pain points or there are going to be things that like, you know, you don't want to overindulge really in anything. You want balance. And so I think if we can take what you've talked about and take that into our day-to-day working in cannabis, hopefully that can kind of like help spread that then on, on you know, that side of the coin or just any, you know, in any aspect of yeah, our Yeah. And I, um, one thing that you might not realize you're already doing, you're already doing a lot of this as an industry on a very macro level. And when I went to, um, you know, Masia Gagliata's My Milligram event, mm-hmm. when I first tasted your product, what blew me away was that you actually give instruction as to potential impact of behavior. You actually said to people, oh, if you have this, this might happen. Mm-hmm. In the wine industry, we never speak like that. In alcohol, right. <laughs> if you drink this alcohol, wine, you might be drunk, <laughs> right? Or whatever. This it Twenty is. ml yeah. of mezcal, right? Might do this to you. Right. How do we know that? Because it's proven on hundreds of years of research. Mm-hmm. And so, I would say, from a wellness point of view, you're already building some of it into your language. And I understand, you know, I'm. There's so much crossover to Kathy's point. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating and really inspiring industry to watch because you're bringing that conversation in so much earlier. Sure, you don't have the history of prohibition and all of the economic, just sheer kind of juggernaut of machine that Bev Alcohol is in the US, but you have this intent 
And it's a it's an intent that feels a lot more inclusive and less prohibitionist mm-hmm. and more about we're going to actually put the information in your hands, dear consumer, and you guys can make the decision as to your experience. So I'd say in the wine and, and wine less so because we're more with food and we like to sit down and enjoy and it's a little more ceremonial than maybe doing a shot of mezcal at Senor Frogs. But, <laughs> you know, we are really... Um, we're watching a lot of what's happening as well in the cannabis industry that we can learn from. And I think really smart operators and entrepreneurs in wine will be watching and and learning. Um, But a a big thing is, you know, stay true to your value and be who you are Mm -hmm. and keep that really tight. And then that's your barometer when you come back to things changing around you or, you know, tax regime changing or market access or channel sales opportunities, um, I think that's important for you as well. I think it's exciting too because you speak about prohibition. I mean, how we feel is we're in prohibition right now and we're coming out of it really fast. So you start to see legalization across California, across 32 states now have some form of legalization. And unlike alcohol, it's all very hyper-local at this point. And pretty soon, our future in the next five years is going to have legalization nationwide. And you're already seeing it on an international basis. Canada, Mexico, Germany. You know, it's it's a wildfire right now around the globe because people are understanding what cannabis is and the be- medical benefits that it has. And so I think it's interesting for us to study the alcohol industry and understand what that model looks like and how it works. And your point is so true and resonates so deeply with me around keep true to your values and your messaging and just, you know, drive that messaging forward because it is an opportunity to create this new type of communication around products that the alcohol industry didn't have the space to do. And transparency. And transparency is a big part. One question I'd like to ask before we start to wrap this up. So both of you are entrepreneurs. Both of you have extensive corporate careers. So I'm going to ask you independent if you were to speak to a woman or a group of women embarking on a new journey of entrepreneurship, what advice would you give them around creating or maintaining your environment of wellness? So I don't know, Kathy, maybe you want to go first? Yeah, one of the, I, I love this question. Thank you. One of the most important things I think that I did in my entrepreneurial journey was I literally sat down and I, and I wrote down a list and it was the list of the things that typically and that I know historically and traditionally have kept women back and kept women from succeeding in business and as entrepreneurs. I literally sort of made a list of what those things were and I kept it visible um, like at my desk because I did not want to do those things. Like I promised myself that I did not, I would not do those things. One of them, for example, is undervaluing my work. Another one is seeking permission before I act. Another one was, you know, getting yet another qualification um, to do something, like just, just go and do it. So that I think uh, was psychologically at least and emotionally, one of the most important things that, that I did that I think uh, had the biggest impact on, on my journey as an entrepreneur. I that's I have chills over here just because I think that those are so many things that resonate with me and my confidence as an entrepreneur. 
And um, I, I'm like thinking over here, that would be such a fun social media post of like, ladies, here's the list of the things you want to keep in front of you as you're building your business, as you're taking your journey. I think that's so neat. I wrote about it actually, Carly. Oh, well, there we go. Oh, we'll have, can, we'll have to find that and post that in the show notes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, probably the most accidental entrepreneur. Um, it really, for me, when it all began, the best piece of advice that I had that I share is write your list of things you love, right? That, that really five things that you love. For me, it's making risotto. I love it because <laughs> it's meditative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when my day is terrible and I just like want to press delete on the whole web platform and destroy everything, I go and make risotto because I, I want to come back to the things that bring me joy <laughs> And I want to remind myself that I'm here and I'm present and I'm doing it and I remember. Um, I love that. And that's something. So I make a lot of risotto right now. <laughs> that's so nice. <laughs> okay, Carly, here's our homework assignment from today's podcast. We're going to write down the, the three things or five things, Kathy. How many things do you not want to be? Oh my gosh. Like for me, it was like eight. Okay. Like that, so, was, that, was, that was just me. Like just what I knew about, you know, what keeps women back. So we'll do the five things we don't want to be and the five things that we love and bring us joy. I love the risotto because that's like such a thing for me in my family. I'm known to make risotto and it is, it's like so meditative in just the action of like the stirring and the pouring the broth into the rice. Do you want to know how I make risotto? Yeah. In my Instapot. (laughs) I'm such an entrepreneur, aren't I? The fastest way possible, people. (laughs) That's so good. You and Kat Kinsman can hang out a lot. So we, I love your oh. art form of stirring. I'll watch it on YouTube while I program my Instapot. I'll come make risotto for you, Erin. This has been such an incredible um, morning with you guys. I would love for you to share with our listeners um, how they can either find a balanced glass or read more about what you've spoken about today. Yeah, sure. So we have a, our website is www.abalancedglass.com. Um, and we are on Instagram, A Balance Glass. We're on Twitter, A Balance Glass. Kathy's own um, social feeds are Kathy Hoyer, H-U-Y-G-H-E. We'll put them in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find us there. You can subscribe, join our tribe, which is a simple email, sign up, and we will send you every morning at 3 a.m. Pacific uh, the week's story. We'll send you a profile of someone in the community we share some stories that we're reading, which is always really interesting, different areas of wellness and health and wine, and then where we're traveling. And so quite often we find people say, oh, you're going to be in Texas at Texas. love to catch up and have a glass of wine or have a conversation. And so that's, that's the best way to find us. Um, Kathy travels a lot, as do I. So we're always loving to meet people out in the community. Great. So. And we can't wait to see you, Kathy, and Beck both when you're in Sonoma County next. You'll have to let us know, and maybe we can have a rosette from Garden Society together. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> that would be so fun. Thank you. Love it. This was a lot of fun. Um, just great questions, and I just love the energy. Thank so you. So keep, keep going. Just, <laughs> just keep showing up. Keep oh, showing thank you so up. much. We're so lucky and blessed to have you out both as friends and to have you on the show. Hey, Carly, now that we're wrapping up our show, I'd be happy to tell you about my spark of joy today. Let's hear it, Erin. It's called Bean Tan. 
and sunshine. <laughs> so it is pouring rain. It has been raining incessantly for about six weeks here in Sonoma County. And my husband and I took our first ever sans child, little bit impromptu vacation to Mexico to celebrate a good friend's 40th birthday. And just spending time to read and not bringing my computer and sitting in the sun. Of course, I wore sunblock, everyone. <laughs> but having those rays really kind of reset my perspective and gave me time to think about the company and about the show and about what I was really focused on for myself and reset our relationship. So it was very needed and very joyful. That's even more than a spark of joy. That's an explosion of joy. <laughs> Unicorns and rainbows, people. <laughs> bam, bam. Very cool. How about you? Do you have one? My spark of joy, my spark of joy. Well, I'm waiting for a baby to be born in my family. My sister is due any, or she's due. She's having a baby any minute. So definitely that sweet little love in our family's life is going to be a a huge spark of joy. So I'm very excited for that. That's so great. All right. Well, you guys can find us as always on thegardensociety.com. Just click on podcast. You can also find us on iTunes. Google Play, Spotify. Spotify. You can find it all in the show notes. So can't wait for next time with you guys on Garden Society, the podcast. Bye-bye. Be sure to check the podcast show notes at thegardensociety.com for a deeper dive into each episode. Engage with Carly and Aaron via social at GRDN Society. If you like what you hear, help spread the joy. Subscribe, rate, and review Garden Society, the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Garden Society, the podcast is produced by Joanna Newding and recorded in the Casually Baked Studio in downtown Oakland, California. Sound engineering is performed by Arnav Gupta. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Elland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.